Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I, I didn't know how to really let the Lord lead my life. Like, I wasn't one of those people that opened the Bible, read it, and actually prayed and, like, looked looked at the Lord to really lead my life and guide me. I was just doing it like a lot of people do, where it's just a habit. You go to church because your mama took you, and, you know, you pray and ask God when you want something. It was a really shallow thing but as I started going through my life my faith matured in such a way because I was going through situations where I had to pray for the Lord to to lead me and guide me and when those prayers were answered it's those type of things that increase your faith. NTC Stallings knows all too well what it's like to struggle and to eventually succeed. He is a professional football athlete turned actor. He's best known for his award-winning role in the number one box office film War Room But throughout his life, he sensed a spiritual battle from a young age and during challenging, life-altering circumstances. Today on Connections, he shares his powerful testimony with us. T.C. Stallings joins us today. He is a former professional football player, now turned actor. He's best known for his role in the number one box office film, War Room. So, uh, T.C., you're an actor. You have a great book coming out with your life story, but you're also a former athlete now. I have to tell you this. I'm a hardcore Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan. I would be very familiar with them. You spent uh, some time up here in the CFL in the early 2000s playing with the Stampeders, didn't you? Sure did, man. Some of the the best couple years of my life. Uh, It was was like one of the highest points of my pro career. Uh, So I loved it. Loved it a lot. What was it like uh, switching to three down football and some of the other weird rules? Was that hard for you or no? Uh, well, you know, I definitely, you definitely, as a, as an offensive player, you know, you want more time with the ball. So I was, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, two downs and punting that, that, that probably is the least, my least favorite of the rules, but the other ones I absolutely love. I love the larger field. I love it. You know, returning the field goal attempts and all of that. Yeah. Stuff. It was, it was great. Right on. Well, I know like your, your uh, new book called eyes fixed it talks about your life story and the ups and downs you've gone through that. And I know even like your, your CFL, the end to your time with the Stampeders, like that was one of those kind of upward moments. I know your wife and your daughter had just arrived. Right. And then what happened? Tell us that. Yeah, that was uh, honestly one of the most hurtful periods of of, of my life. And uh, it took me a a long time to be able to uh, compartmentalize how much I loved playing up there and the fans and the city and the and the friends that I that I still have, you know, up there like Randy Chevrier, you know, of the of the Calgary Stampeders and and quite a few. I won't try to name them all, but like people who still uh you know live there, um, friends of mine. I had to dig, you know, make sure I compartmentalize that versus the way that I was let go. Um, but the short the short of it is, I had led the season. I had led the preseason uh, in rushing, you know, as, as a running back, and that's usually all signs indicating that you're going to be retained for the second season. And so in the, in the final preseason game, I didn't even play. I was asked to sit out. And what I was told was, you know, I had done all I needed to do. And we had just played against the BC Lions in preseason. And I did, I did pretty well. And I did always do well in practice. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm good. I don't even got to play. But what it was is they wanted to take another look at another running back in that game. Mm-hmm. And when I caught wind of that, he didn't even do that great. 
So I'm like, okay, I'm still good. And so I flew yeah. my family up. I flew my family up as a, as a anniversary. It was my wedding anniversary. And I flew them up as, as a, as, um, like a surprise. I told them, I said, sweetheart, I think I'm, I'm going to be on the team. It's all good. We're going to, we're going to live in Canada. We're going to stay up here. I'm getting an apartment. Mm. And I did everything and got cut literally mm. about three hours later after they arrived. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was crazy. And nobody believed me when I told them I got cut because it just didn't make any sense. Now, football was a dream of yours. Being in the NFL was a dream of yours. What was it about football that you loved so much? Uh, well, when I was 12 years old in Cleveland, um, I could never afford to go to a pro game. And I remember going downtown to uh, pick up my stepfather because at the time, you know, that my stepfather was in my life after about nine years of, of, of no male in the home. You know, my mother had a boyfriend and so they ended up getting married. And so, you know, I got my stepfather. We're going to pick him up from work. And I remember hearing, hearing the Browns game going on and you could just, we're outside the stadium because he worked downtown near the stadium. You could just hear it, you know, all loud. And I, I never could afford to go in. And I was just saying to myself, you know what, forget it. Um, after everything I'm going through, because I had a rough childhood, gang infested neighborhood, and we didn't have a whole lot of money. My mother working her, her, her tail off every day to try to make it. And I said, you know what, forget going to see a game. I'm going to get inside there and be playing in one. And I'm going to change the life of my family. And so my mm-hmm. dreams and goals started right there. I was about, you know, like I said, going on you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. And so that's what started it for me. And so the fact that I started succeeding right from a young age and, and you know, just even from Little League on up, just dominating on every level, it was just so fulfilling because it was it was giving me everything that I that I had like dreamed about. And uh, so I just saw it as a blessing and I, and I just stuck with it. And I was successful on every level that I've ever played. There's also an encounter now, with the law as well that really motivated you to play football. Oh, yeah. I shoot. I I I grew up with, you know, two brothers and uh, I love my brothers. And, and thank God that right now they're doing really well in life. And uh, but they had they had did some time in prison and stuff like that. You know, they, they got a great future and a great present right now, but I'm sure they're not that proud of their past. But where it hurt me is that I didn't have them in my life. And so I was getting used to seeing them getting carried off to prison. And so, you know, my, my oldest brother was in jail. And then when my middle brother went to jail, I was left alone. And I got upset and I kind of went outside and started trying to copy them. You know, like like I was just just kind of venting. And so me and my friends was running around the neighborhood and, and at night, it was around the 4th of July. It was like days after and we still had like some smoke bombs left over. And we started like tossing them into like the hallways of apartments and knocking on doors and running like just just little stupid stuff. And one of the carpets end up like we we, we put one through a mail chute in the door, you know, the mail chute, we slide mail. We put one in there and we just thinking it's going to be smoke. But the smoke bomb went out and fire lit up the carpet. Oh, and no. uh, and so they called the police and then uh, the lady wanted to give me a good scare. So she had the police take me to jail and uh, not to actually keep me there, but to scare me stupid. And she did. And so when I finally got out, I just realized that, like, that's not the place that's going to allow me to fulfill my dreams. I never want to see the inside of a jail again. And so my little three hour jail stint led to me saying, I'm going to do everything I can to never have to go down that road. And it just made me start, you know, training harder and playing harder and just focusing on positive things. And uh, and I continue to just run around with that ball. Next thing I know, I got a scholarship to Louisville and I'm gone. I'm out, I'm out of the neighborhood. You mentioned uh, your mom and raising you and your siblings alone. You didn't actually meet your dad until you're 18 years old uh, and growing up and like surrounded by those gangs and stuff. What do you say to people in similar circumstances and young people growing up in the same ways? Well, for me, you know, I 
I was my mother was like my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader. And, you know, all she ever told me was that she wanted to see me succeed. She wanted to, you know, not to see me in jail. She didn't want to see me dead and, and all of that. And, and she knew that the environment that we lived in would produce those opportunities to have those bad things happen. And one of my favorite things was just seeing a smile on her face. And, and so at the time, a lot of what I did was for her. And I always say that look, look in your family and see there's someone that believes in you that, that, you know, and a lot of times that, you know, I will hope it's your mother, but I know some people don't even have tight relationships with their mother. Like you said, for me, I didn't even know my dad. Uh, I did. I didn't meet him. Like I said, until I was 19 years old, but my mother lit a fire underneath me. She's the one that I wanted to, to please. Uh, ultimately it became Jesus himself that I wanted to please. And, um, uh, but up until I really learned how to let my faith lead me, it was my mother, you know, so sometimes it's hard to motivate yourself to do the right stuff. But when you when you know, there's other people who care about you and love you want to see you do well, sometimes you can use them. And for me, my mother was that spark. And I didn't want to let her down. And then, like I said, over time, that that kind of evolved into me not wanting to let God down my mom down and myself down. And uh, so you know, if you're out there right now and, you know, you, you grow up like I did, like I said, your your current present situation does not have to determine your future. And I put my future in the Lord's hands and I started, like I said, I started living and want to please him. And I wanted to make my mother proud and you know, a combination of those things and, and God's leadership in my life got me to where I am right now. So, you know, when people look at my book and read all of the stuff that I went through, it's going to point right to the fact that I just thank God that he had his hand on me and never let me go the wrong route. So I don't take credit for any of it. I give it all, all credit to God for it. Speaking of that faith, was that faith there the whole time? Like you grew up attending church, but you know, you had that rough neighborhood you grew up in. Was your faith always there? It was, it, my faith was there, but it wasn't mature. You know, it was just, my mother took me to church. So I went. And when you're little, you kind of don't have a choice. And when I got to the point to where I did have a choice, um, I wasn't always, I, I didn't know how to really let the Lord lead my life. Like I wasn't one of those people that opened the Bible, read it and actually prayed and like looked, looked at the Lord to really lead my life and guide me. I was just doing it like a lot of people do where it's just a habit. You go to church because your mama took you. Uh, you know, you pray and ask God when you want something. It was a really shallow thing. But as I started going through my life, and you'll read about this in a book, my faith matured in such a way because I was going through situations where I had to pray for the Lord to, to lead me and guide me. And when those prayers were answered, it's those type of things that increase your faith. And it happens so many times over and over and over and over again that you don't attribute it to luck or happenstance or coincidence. I'm praying real prayers and I'm getting real answers through circumstances and the way life is working out for me. So it increased my faith and reading scriptures and just obeying it and, and, and experiencing the strength that the Lord gives you to obey these things. It's the, it's the real life experience that matured my faith and took it to a whole nother level. And you will see how that stuff play out in the book. Cause I, you know, I really got, I really was able to put it into action and start like in my college days when all the temptation and this stuff was coming, whether it be sexual temptation or just all kinds of different things that throw you off the wrong path. And the Lord literally held me up at a time where it's, it's one of the hardest to do a young, you know, young man, handsome guy that people say you're a star athlete and all the things that can really cause you to go the wrong route. If you're not careful, the Lord held me up from that. And so, um, you know, I talk about that in the book, but yeah, it's, 
my faith grew and grew and grew and it continues to grow to the point to where I am now, where it's, it's a very mature faith that, you know, I, I used to you know, guide my decisions, my, my, my hopes, my dreams, my desires each and every day of my life. One of those answered prayers was actually getting a chance to play football in college. Uh, you had a scholarship initially, I believe, but your grades were kind of getting in the way, but you got a second chance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh man, this was, this was insane. See, like I said, growing up, you know, um, there wasn't like, I I wasn't, I wasn't sitting down with my brothers and sisters being helped with homework and those kind of different things, you know, that I I was kind of in the house by myself a lot of the time. So I kind of worked that stuff out for myself. And, you know, I I was a, I wasn't a, a, a bad student. I was just a lazy one. You know, it was like, I knew all it took for me to be eligible to play football was a C. So, you know, all you have to get degrees. There you go. Once I once I get to that C level, I can stop working on all of that stuff and doing all that extra homework and stuff. So, but what ends up happening is no one in my family had ever been to college, so no one knew anything about like college qualifications or any of that. So when I, when it comes to the end of my high school time, I had all the great you know all the colleges and all these letters and all the different things. I take the ACT. And it didn't match up with my GPA, which was like a C plus average and stuff like that. And so my scholarship got taken away from me. I couldn't accept it. And it was, that was horrible. So I had to spend the whole next summer getting my ACT score up higher to match the lower GPA. And I had to take some other courses or whatever. So I ended up getting my GPA high enough to where a 21 on the ACT would get me in. And I spent the whole year doing that so I was actually a year late going to college I was supposed to go in 96 I went in 97 and uh man ended up getting my scholarship accepted man oh I went I cried like crazy and I vowed to never let anything else get in the way of uh, my ultimate goal which is to play professional football and so went on had a great career at Louisville uh ended up going to the arena football league and then from there that's when my stampeders found me and uh I ended up in Canada for two years your your NFL dream never did come true. Um, what was that like for you? Did you did you hold on to that dream for too long? Um, what advice do you have for for other youth out there that might be wanting to pursue a, a professional career like that? Well, the thing is, is you know, like I said, I'm a scripture guy, and so uh, you know, I know we live in a world that says follow your heart, follow your dreams. You can do and be whatever you want to be, and you know what? That's true. Problem is for a Christian, for me, for for a person where God is supposed to lead my life, biblically, that's not the way you want to live. It's not be what you want to be. It's not follow your heart. The Bible says that the heart can be deceitful above all things. So what you want to do is you want to give God your heart and let him lead it. And it's not be whatever you want to be, because I could I could want to be something that God didn't design me to be. So what it really is, is be what God designed you to be. So for me, the the I, it's not that I really chased it for too long. It's that I chased it and wasn't consulting God enough about if it's something that he wanted me to do. And so I was just doing it because it was positive and, you know, there was nothing wrong with it. There's nothing sinful about playing football. But the moment I really dug in and consulted God about what he wanted me to do, the football thing actually ended up shutting down and the acting doors opened. something that I completely wasn't thinking about. So, no, I, I would tell people, like I said, when you have dreams, goals, desires in your heart, you want to run those things by God so that he can authenticate them. He can sift out what he don't want you to do and open doors for what he, what he does want you to do. And that's what I ended up doing. And it has me to where I am today. And I thank God he allowed me to play football for so long, allowed me to play 
uh, football for pro football for six years and, and get in with by his grace, because I, while I wasn't completely consulting him about every single move, it's like he gave, he allowed me to do that as I was growing towards learning to uh, come to him and say, you know, is this, can I go to this NFL and can you open this door? And he was like, nope, you're going to Hollywood. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's what happened yeah. when I asked him, you know? Yeah. And like so much, like you said, centers around prayer for you and we'll read about that and eyes fixed. But like you, even after seeing the film Fireproof, you prayed to meet the Kendrick brothers, really well-known Christian filmmakers. We've had them on the show before. You've prayed to meet them and then you met them. Yep. And and that's kind of what I was getting at, <laughs> man. It was like, you'd be afraid, you'd be afraid to, to ask God to, you know, like a, a, a very straight up prayer to say is, Lord, shut the door on things you don't want me to do. Open the door on the things that mm-hmm. you do. And that's a hard prayer because you know, he might yeah. shut the door and you really, really want it. And that, but yeah. when he, I felt like when the Lord saw that I was, I had enough faith and trust in him to say that about football the thing that I held so tightly in my hands when I said that to him about football and he, and he did shut the door on football, open the door on acting. I, and then, but then I ended up, um, you know, saying, okay, Lord, if this is you with this acting thing, then it looks like I really love this movie fireproof. It's really inspiring people in this theater. That's, that's the type of stuff that I, that I want to do. So I need to be working with the Kendrick brothers. And I'm like, it's like, Lord, if it be your will, you know, lead me to them. If not, then maybe my heart is thumping for, I'm just a prisoner at a moment here with this movie. Man, a year and a half later, I'm face to face with them. I'm on set. I'm shooting my first role. First ever major film role is with the Kendrick brothers. It's in the movie Courageous. I mean, if he didn't speak loud and clear, I don't know what loud and clear is, uh, but he gave me exactly <laughs> what I asked for. And, uh, and that's kind of just shape it's like, that's been a story of my life ever since then is just, I love answer prayer. There's, there's no more beautiful thing in terms of just really feeling, you know, how awesome God is, is answer prayer, whether it's him giving you what you want. Um, because usually what you want needs to line up with what he wants. And that's how you, you get that or him saying no. And then you're seeing later on that, wow, I'm so glad he said no, you know, um, just answer prayers has been incredible. I really like that because like that willingness to leave one platform and you just pray like, God, give me another platform. And the thing is like, no matter how big it is, like we all won't be pro athletes. I'm certainly not going to be a pro athlete or an actor ever, but God gives all of us a platform of some kind that we can use. Right. Absolutely. And the thing of it is, is, is everybody was built with a purpose. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like before you were born, whatever he wants you to do is already in place. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Psalm 139, 16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And I'm just like, man, if you really believe that, look at that every moment, every moment that that reminds me of like when, when, when screenwriters and screenplay writers and movie script writers, they write a script. And then they send it to me and have me read it and read the role. And so I know what to do. It's like, that was, you know, I had no hand in that, you know, it was written before and now I just got to like act out the pages. And it's like, when you read that scripture, that's exactly what I see there. And so what's built into your, the God's plan for your life is what he wants you to do to bring him glory. So there's your platform right there, wherever that might be, wherever the Lord places you in life, wherever he has script out and planned out for you to be. The cool thing about that is nothing can stop that because that's his plan. So that should be your number one pursuit in life. It's like, Lord, what did you, what's my Psalm 139, 16? What did you plan for me to do? Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to be? 
And that's your platform right there, wherever that is. And nothing can stop you from being able to like use that platform for God's glory. And so that's how I knew I would succeed uh, as an actor, you know, is because this is, I prayed about it and Lord answered that prayer. I knew it was him. And so now I'm like, okay, nothing's going to be able to stop me. This is where he wants, this is what he wants me to do. Speaking of that acting, you only commit yourself to roles that uh, do not contradict your convictions as a Christian. Was that tough for you? Um, it's, it's, it's tough because as a human being, you get tired of saying no to, to stuff, you know, it, it's, especially if it, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's a really cool role or it's got people in it that you would love to, you know, be in a film with, um, maybe the film's really, really big. Maybe it would, it, it was, it's going to pay really, really well. Just however you can look at it, it'll, it'll advance your career, but uh, if it has something in it that's going to cause me to dishonor God or compromise my faith, that's always going to be an automatic no for me. And you just, the hard part is, is, is always having to say no, but I've been conditioned in this thing long enough to know that when, when I, when I reject something or don't even go after something because I know it's going to dishonor God, he's smiling on me every single time. And that gives me more of a happy feeling, gives me a more peaceful feeling. It gives me the energy to to continue to do it. And then he always seems to bless me with something in its place anyway. And uh, like another project, but even if he didn't, uh, I'm blessed by the fact that I know he's happy with me. And so that, that, that makes it easier to, to do every single time that I have to do it. That's a interesting conversation that we've also had with one of the actors you work with Todd Terry in vindication, Mm -hmm. a great, cop drama but like no gore and violence and that stuff that we're used to in in cop shows usually yeah i've it's been so cool working with terry um i remember when i saw vindication season one and i was just happy that it was a really 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 well done um cop show crime drama and i just wanted to be a part i wanted to be a part of it you know i'm just like man if they ever come up with a character that i could bring life to I want to know about it. And I told my agent and, uh, you know, she let them know. And next thing I know, they do, they do come up with a character and I was able to, to take that role. And so uh, joining that show, uh, I was a fan before I was a, um, a, a, a recurring cast member. So it was just really cool. And my very first scene was with Todd, you know, and uh, so I love, love, love um, uh, working with Todd, man. And, and he's, he's a, a cool person too, like just outside of, outside of, you know, working with him just as, as a regular human being, he's just cool. And we, we kind of on the same page, but we just want to do things that honor, you know, God, like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's mainstream or whether it's faith-based, as long as it doesn't dishonor God, you know, I'm willing to do it. And then he's, he's pretty much in that same vein. We can learn so much from your life. Um, and you've put a lot of this into your book, Eyes Fixed. Tell us why you decided to put this memoir together um, and the inspiration behind it. Well, you know, we never know when our time is up on, on this earth. You know, um, one of my other favorite scriptures that motivate me is James 4.13. Um, when you read it and it just talks about, you know, life is but a mist. You never know when your time is up. You know, people make plans and, you know, um, but the Bible says, you know, you don't even know what tomorrow brings. You know, you, basically you could be here today and gone tomorrow. And so I, I try to live a life of purpose, you know, like when I'm gone, you know, I, this is why I write books and, and I, and I love like, you know, doing podcasts and, and, and writing and things that can long outlast you when you're gone, kind of like the Bible, like we got the Bible and everybody in there is, is, is obviously passed on, but their stories and the way that they honor God with their life is what inspires us today. And so for me, you know, 
and I know uh, people really wait, wait till they get really, 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 really old to like write, you know, uh, autobiographies because there's so much more life potentially to be lived, but maybe not. So if I was to go to, to right now, this moment, you know, that book is there and it can change lives for however long the earth spins, you know? And so for me, it was just something that I said, if I didn't do anything else, if, if, if I became mute and blind and didn't have any arms, legs, just in the can't write, can't act, can't do anything, what would I regret having not done? And it would be putting my story down on paper so that when I'm gone, it's still here. And, uh, and so that's, that's what motivated me. And also, you know, my mother uh, passed and I wanted to dedicate it to her. And so I did that. So uh, there's a lot accomplished uh, with eyes fixed, but the biggest thing will be all the treasure that I feel like I'll be storing up in heaven when people read that book and, and, uh, and, and, and they want to trust God with their lives in that same way, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are trying to live life. And then you got Satan trying to knock you off center and get you off track. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole theme of the book with the whole eyes fixed thing is that uh, I want to encourage people to keep their eyes on, on Christ. And that's what keeps you walking straight and he'll hold you up. It's a promise he made in scripture. And it's one that uh, throughout my entire life, he's kept. And uh, that's what the book will reveal. How can we get our hands on the book? And also, how can we like stay caught up with you and what's going on in your life? Awesome. Well, it, the book is available on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and, and wherever you get your books. For the most part, the autograph copies uh, are only available on my website. And that is www.tcstallings.life, L-I-F-E. And I'm on I'm on social media, you know, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter at TC Stallings, uh, real TC Stallings on Instagram. Just make sure you look for the uh, all three pages are verified so you know you're with the right person. And uh, yeah. And then, like I said, on my website, you know, I, I don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about myself because the Lord kind of got me in so many different places. It, it would literally take up the whole interview. So I mm-hmm. love having my website, um, www.tcstallings.life. If you ever want to um kind of know all the stuff that I'm into. The website has done a good job of uh, showing everything that I'm involved in. So you can check it out there. Catch up with me there too. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys for having me. And thank you so much for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.